True Accord launched in 2014, guys. Uh, again, reimagining debt collection over the past four years. They've helped collect over 75 million bucks in past payments or just, you know, d- payments that have been defaulted on. Uh, over the past 12 months, he thinks it's around 40 million bucks. The way they make money so they can continue growing and scaling and investing in product is they take anywhere between 25 and 30% of revenues they recover. So that would mean, you know, call it 10 million bucks about in revenue over the past 10 or 12 months. They've raised 40 million bucks. That's four zero to keep growing this thing. Their team of, team of 130 people based in San Fran and San Jose. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Ohad Samit. He is the CEO at a company called True Accord. He was risk at Klarna. He co-founded uh, Signified and Analyzed, which was acquired by Klarna. He's also active at PayPal New Ventures and Analytics at Fraud Sciences, which is also acquired by PayPal. Ohad, are you ready to take us to the top? I am ready. Let's do it. All right, you, you have a little affinity for fintech, huh? I do. Yes. <laughs> That's good. It's really interesting. Speed lives, you know, it's a big deal. It is. It's a really big deal. Okay. Let's focus on True Accord here. So what does the company do and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? True Accord is a machine learning based digital first collection service. We built our own system. You can think about it as an almost completely automated marketing and sales campaign for debt collection. So if somebody owes you money as a company for chargebacks, returns, loans, and so on, you come to us, we work with them. We do it in a way that gets better results and leaves them positive about your product and about your brand. We have a net promoter score of 60. People really appreciate it. It's a whole new world, very different than the old model of doing debt collection. Okay, so g- give me an example here. Um, and let's let's do let me see if I can tee this up so that I can best feature you to my audience, right? So most of my audience are SaaS CEOs. They understand chargebacks, they understand refunds. If someone has committed to an annual contract with one of my listeners for a, a, a ten thousand um, dollars, and they missed their kind of their second payment, how would they use you to go get those payments? Well, the first thing you want to do is you want to retain the consumer, right? Uh, you want to talk to them. You want to see if it's a if it's a temporary. But if you sent them a product, but they're not paying, their card is expired, they don't really want to pay. At some point, you need help with that. You may want to uh, try to reverse the chargeback, work with your bank, but a lot of these things don't work. And then eventually, you need someone to go and try to actually get them to pay you for what they owe you. And you either do it in-house and you build your own team, you start calling people and try to build this whole infrastructure, or you work with someone that you trust. It's going to be a good experience for the person owing you money. But then again, be very successful in reaching them via email, via other digital channels, negotiating with them a payment plan or something that's working for them to actually get you paid for those charges and returns and the things that that you're owed. Okay, you use the word goods. So is this really only for physical products? Oh, no, no, no. We're being used by, we have Upwork that's doing services to use us. We have Yelp. Okay, let's do Upwork. Uh, My audience understands Upwork. So explain exactly how how you, you would work with Upwork. So on Upwork, you can um, contract ser- um, contractors to do work for you, coding, writing, all kinds of stuff like that. A lot of the payment on Upwork is postpaid. Okay. So you get the deal, you you get the work, and then you're supposed to pay for it. And then either you charge back on your payment or your card is expired and you actually don't make the payment and you disappear. And you owe Upwork $100, $500, $3,000. This thing happens all the time. And then Upwork tries to reach you for a few weeks. And then after a while, if it doesn't work, they turn to us and they say, listen, this person owes us money. Go, Go try to reach them. Go create a relationship with them and try to see why they're not paying and try to get try to get us paid. 
first step is to understand why didn't you pay? I mean, sometimes it's, it's a, a financial difficulty. Sometimes it's a contract disagreement. They didn't like the service. And there's a little bit of a dance around it to get them to say, okay, I know I owe this. This is why I didn't pay. This is what I can do. And then getting them to pay. And because we're expert in doing that and doing that in a machine learning based, digital digital first, friendly approach, that's why all of these SaaS companies, all of these services companies like to use us versus, you know, traditional phone based collection agency. Okay, so let's role play here. I put a project through Upwork. It's a design project. I hired a designer that was for $3,000. I paid 50% at the beginning. Um, The designer sends me work. It was nowhere near the spec that I upload on Upwork. It was like horrible design, not what I expected. For that reason, I just ignore all of Upwork's emails and I don't pay the second 50%. So I, there's 1,500 outstanding there. Upwork can't reach me. They pass it to you. You reach out to me and I tell you what I just told you. How do you respond? Well, um, this is a contract dispute, right? At the end of the day, you agree to your contract and uh, you agreed to work. And if you have an employee that does a, bad job and you're the employed they're employed with you you don't say well i'm not going to pay you this month because well, i didn't like them. what you did you may fire them but you're not going to withhold the salary that you agreed to pay them but i would say salary and per, and project base is very different that's why people use upwork is because it's per project it's part of part of it is to mitigate this exact risk right but then again if you committed to say well 10 hours of work going to pay you five up front. You're going to do five more. And I'm going to see what you come up with. You can absolutely fire the person after 10 hours, but you're not going to withhold their payment for the first 10 hours. Yeah. Sorry. What I'm trying to get at is it's usually not this black and white. It's usually like I gave them a spec. They didn't deliver the spec. I'm not paying the rest. How do you handle this? Especially, I mean, we're having difficulty doing it human to human. And you're saying you're doing this with pure automation. I'm just trying to understand how you do this. Well, because at the end of the day, um, you make an argument, the person makes a counter argument. Most people understand that they signed a contract and the contract says that you need to pay for this, the hours that you contracted. For. Yeah, well, and the contract also says that they have to deliver, right? So what I'm saying is that's where the dispute happens, right? Is I'm saying they didn't deliver. That's why I'm not paying. If they delivered, I'd, you'd pay. Um that's a question of what what's a delivery, you know. That's kind of a legal, more of a legal deep question. But isn't that, especially for Fiverr, isn't that usually where these things would pop up? There was a spec for code that wasn't written on TopTal. There was a spec for design on Fiverr. No, not really. Okay. Not really. A lot of people have difficulty paying. They have expired cards. They have their business has cash flow issues. They need help working out, working that out. Okay. Yeah, in some cases it's, I didn't like the service. Um, but yeah, part of that collection is talking about, well, here's what's written in the contract and here's what we think the situation is. And you don't have to accept it. You know, we don't sue people. We don't report to credit bureaus. It's just about finding the, the middle ground and figuring out what works for you, what works for the company. So oftentimes you don't get, don't get paid a hundred percent, but that's exactly it. You know, being digital first being automated, having a great user experience for people to relent and say, well, I understand, you know, let's find a, let's find a um, middle ground that works for everyone. Uh, 
Yeah, so let's do, let's role play. Let's let's role play there. So you're trying to get 1500 from me. It's the second 50% of the 3000. I'm saying, "Listen, Ohad, like I understand your point of view. It was a crap product. She didn't, you know, he or she didn't deliver, but here I'll give you 500 bucks. Where do you want me to send it? Where how do, how do you then process that back to Fiverr and what do you take? Or Upwork and how do you, what do you take? Well, you know, that's why I have when it gets to a point where somebody wants to take get on the phone and have this discussion, I have super talented, super experienced customer care agents that work with a person to explain what the situation is. So I'm less into that role playing. I, you know, part of being a CEO of a startup is hiring the best people possible to be able to engage with people with empathy and say, well, this is the position. What can you do? What can we do? Okay. You didn't, you didn't answer my question. (laughs) I'm trying to understand what you do. So, so you said you handle a lot of this in an automated machine learning kind of way, but you're saying, no, it's actually, you're calling a human every time. No, no, no. I'm saying that if it gets to a point where you want to have this type of role playing and have a discussion, you can call in or you can email in and have a discussion with us. Okay. So let's, let's say I haven't talked to anyone. Your code, your tool has got me to basically say, I'm willing to give you 500 of the 1500 that I owe. I, I push a button and send you 500 bucks. What happens to that 500 bucks? Uh, if you send us the 500 uh, bucks, then, and that's fine that that um, satisfies Upwork. They're happy. We're happy. You're happy. Everything's okay. Then the balance is closed. We pay it out to Upwork minus our fee and we move on with our, move on with our lives. Okay. So your model is your revenue model is you take a fee on what you recover. Is that it? Or is there a SaaS yeah. component as well? Um, it depends on the size with very small companies. We have a little bit of a monthly fee, but once you get to a certain size, it's mostly percentage of recoveries. Yeah. Now, you guys have heard me on the show interview a lot of people playing in the e-commerce space and they are crushing it. In fact, if you guys are following e-commerce as a trend in general, you know that e-commerce brings in over $500 billion in sales each year and is expected to grow to $1 trillion in the next decade. You've got to be selling online. Now, here's the thing. It's very difficult to do this. A lot of these platforms charge expensive transaction fees, which is fine if I'm an investor in the business, but it also means a small business has to pay more money, right? Here's the thing. I found this tool called Volusion, which maybe their business model is not a good one, but it's great for the merchants because the merchants make on average 2x more than on other platforms. That's you, the seller with the e-commerce idea, the physical products you want to sell online. Again, great for you. This is Volusion, the easiest and fastest all-in-one e-commerce platform designed specifically for small businesses. You don't need any coding or design experience to check it out. So come see why Volusion is the number one rated e-commerce platform according to Trustpilot. Get a free 14-day no-risk trial. No credit card required. Visit volusion.com forward slash the top. And as a special for top entrepreneurs listeners, that's all of us, we get 50% off our first month plan with code the top. This is exclusive just for you guys. So get a free 14 day, no risk trial, no credit card required. Visit volusion. That's V O L U S I O N dot com forward slash the top and get 50% off your first, first month's plan with code the top. I want to discover, though, I mean, what you really are here, SaaS or kind of percentage of what you recover. So over the past 12 months, if you look at your total revenue you've made, what percent is SaaS on the small guys versus just recovery fees on what you bring back? The majority is fees. Okay, like more than 80%? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Great. Okay. Because we work with major with major banks and lenders. Right? So I see. Is that a, a bigger use volume. case? That Your biggest use case are kind of banks and... Yeah, SaaS is growing very fast, but right now the majority of what we do is we work with lenders. 
I see. And these are what, like mortgage payments on real estate or just any credit card debt? Credit card debt, consumer loans, student loans, stuff like that. Oh, interesting. Very cool. Um, bootstrapped or have you guys raised capital? We bootstrapped for about a year and then we raised capital. Okay. So how much have you raised to date? Almost $40 million. Okay. One, four? Four, zero. Four, zero. Okay. Uh, four million, and, and put this on a timeline for me. You said you bootstrapped for a year. When did you launch? We, we raised uh, a seed before launching at the end of 13, launched at the end of 14, and we've been working since. Okay, 2014 launch, 40 million bucks raised. Where did most of that money go? Was it really engineering or product? Well, we didn't spend the majority of, of it yet, but uh, yeah, it was engineering, product, um, and also debt collection is a highly regulated industry. So we needed to build... We need the licensing, we need the infrastructure, we need the right people for compliance and so on to make sure that we're doing what we are supposed to be doing to protect people's privacy and so on. So that took a lot of work too. Okay. And when you do, when you have all this in place and you do successfully recover, you know, 500 bucks or let's just use a hundred. So it's easy. Can you give me a general sense there? You don't have to be specific, but a general sense of what cut you're taking of the recovered fees. It's about 25 to 30%. Depends on the age of the debt and kind of complexity and so on. Interesting. Okay. 25. And, and, and the way that you're able to get away with that is you're basically saying, look, like you weren't going to get any of it. That's why he gave it to us in the first place. We recovered some of it. Give us 25, 30%. Yeah. I mean, one option is, I mean, we always say work on it yourself for, you know, a month or two, or however time you think is necessary. But at the end of the day, it's either you hire a bunch of people and you learn how to do accounts receivable or you work with us. Yep. And that always works better. And where's, uh, what, what's the team size today and where's everyone based? We're about 130 people in San Francisco. Everyone's in San Fran. Yeah, we have a handful of people in San Jose. Okay, okay, very good. And where do you, so, so there's a lot of companies kind of um, playing in the fintech space. You know, we had Rob on recently with Cabbage. Uh, obviously, right. you know, there's a, I mean, you know the space really well. Uh, TransferWise was just on and talked about the erosion of banking. Where do you see yourself kind of fitting in longer term into this overall kind of decline of traditional banks space? We've never thought of ourselves as competing with banks. We're a vendor to banks and other lenders. Um, the thing is that, you know, as your questions from the beginning illustrate, it's a conscious field. What happens when somebody can't pay? What do you do? Do you harass them? Do you are you you know are you nasty towards them? And the answer is one: tens of millions of people a year have this problem. Two: you can actually help them pay, and you can actually help them figure stuff out without being contentious, without being aggressive. And, but the thing is that most people don't really want to deal with that. They want to deal with lending. They want to deal with upfront services. They want to work with prime consumers. We think as a company that our mission is to work with people who fall off the wagon. They have a health issue. They lost a job. They got divorced. They had a life event that's actually making them not able to meet their obligations. And with the interest rates going up, recession maybe next year, who knows? That's going to be, that continues to be a big deal. So I think we have a niche that's pretty big and, and debt collection is going to continue to be a stable of financial relationships because people fall off the wagon. But what can, why can't we change that from being a hit you on the head with a hammer, call you four times per day, turn that into a relationship building activity and turns out it works and we skill it. Can you give me a general sense of success you've had doing this and maybe quantify that in the terms of the last 12 months? I mean, how much have you recovered for all your customers in aggregate? 
we are we just crossed about seventy five million dollars in recovered money. Okay, since since twenty fourteen or in the past twelve months? Uh, since twenty fourteen. Okay, and and can you give me over the last twelve months? I don't remember the number. I think it's about forty million. I mean, we're just you know we're accelerating, so obviously the the majority of it is in the past twelve months. You said four zero um, million recovered last twelve months. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not certain. I mean, I think that's the number. I didn't I didn't look at it uh, in the past month. Um, and it's it's just growing. I mean, we have we get hundreds of thousands of consumer accounts a month to work on recoveries, and. Some of that is repeat consumers because consumers owe money to several institutions at the same time, but a lot of it is not. So we're talking about more than 4.3 million consumers, billions of dollars in debt, and it just continues to grow and grow and compound. Yeah, no, that's great. Congratulations on the growth. I mean, what I was really trying to look there is understand more about from a revenue perspective, how you guys are growing. And if you take, you know, 25 to 30%, obviously the math gets easy. If the number is 40 million recovered over the past year, that puts you at like 10 million bucks in revenue off that. Is that, I mean, generally accurate directionally? Directionally, yeah. 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 Yeah, we're a Series B company. That's kind of where we, where do you are? Yeah. Oh, how do you be very surprised? I talked to a lot of Series B companies that have raised a lot of money and they have a big zero in revenue, or they're way, way, way overvalued and have, I mean, very little traction. They are. Uh, their founders are braver than I am. <laughs> I think you're pretty brave. You're in a space that has a lot of legal stuff going on. It's very tough and not easy. Now, real quick before we wrap up, were you at Klarna right before this? Yes, that's how I got the idea. Why'd you leave? You just the idea was too big to big to ignore. Um, I just like starting stuff, and Klarna was a super fun ride. It was two years, really crazy. Raised a huge round, grew the company from hundreds to a couple to a thousand people, increased the valuation. I learned a lot, but it felt like um, it was putting me on like the executive path. I wanted to start another company. Very good. All right, let's wrap up with the famous five quickly. Number one, what's your favorite business book? The five dysfunctions of a team. Number two, there is- are a bunch of really goods. Do you do you know the do you know it? Yeah, the red, red cover, Patrick Chioni, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a good really one. cool. It's a it's a it's a good uh, it's a good uh, business fable. He calls it. I don't know, and it's a it's a dynamic that's really true in many teams. So it's very helpful. Number two, is there an under-the-radar CEO that you really respect? I love talking to CEOs of companies that used to be hot but are not hot anymore. Not unsuccessful, just not in, in an attention to just learn from what, what does that look like? Oh, well, come on, Ohad, you got to name somebody now. <laughs> so one, so that's a bunch of super, super talented people that I talked to that I, you know, I won't name them, but, uh, I look, I look up to Max Levchin. Yeah. Um, he's one of our investors and someone that I, I learned from a lot. I also look up to, uh, Bill Clerico from WePay. He sold it. He sold WePay last year and he took it through a decade, maybe more than a decade of ups and downs. I did a bunch of really interesting stuff. Yep. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Right now, I don't really have one, but early stage Trello. I love their interface. I love how they help you manage projects and move stuff around. So every time I have something early stage, I go there. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? At least eight. How many, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I, I try to get eight hours of sleep oh, every eight. night. I have eight. young kids and a company, so I don't really do anything else. 
So married. So so how you're you're married and how many kids? Two. Two. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 39. 39. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Um, <laughs> I thought about this when I saw the questions and I thought, well, I had so much luck in life and things kind of lined up and without me knowing, like I didn't plan for it. So I would just say, just continue doing what you're doing. But I came to the U.S. when I was 30. I think I would tell my young self to come to the U.S. earlier, to come to San Francisco earlier. Startups are here. Opportunity is here. It's a pretty cool place to be in. True Accord launched in 2014, guys. Uh, again, reimagining debt collection over the past four years. They've helped collect over 75 million bucks in past payments or just you know d- payments that have been defaulted on. Uh, over the past 12 months, he thinks it's around 40 million bucks. The way they make money so they can continue growing and scaling and investing in product is they take anywhere between 25 and 30% of revenues they recover. So that would mean, you know, call it 10 million bucks about in revenue over the past 10 or 12 months. They've raised 40 million bucks. That's four zero to keep growing this thing. Their team, a team of 130 people based in San Fran and San Jose. Oha, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you very much for having me.